the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Friday, November 25th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear. For you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on- and off-duty gear, hot-melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Big sale, Black Friday edition. Can't beat what they got going on down at MyPillow today. You enter promo code STEAK at checkout, you're going to get savings. That might even make Mike Lindell look crazy. A little bit more of a morning person. You know, they've launched my coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. And a promo code stake there. You're going to get 25% off your order, 50% off if you sign up for a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash stake is the website. MyStore.com slash stake is the website for the coffee. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear. And the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, got a soul to squeeze? Oh, I love cone heads. Get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our good friend Alan has launched the Patriot Cigar Company. Hand-rolled cigars picked from the fields of Nicaragua right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. They're neighbors. Love it. Age three years. You enter promo code STAKE here. You're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100. Free shipping and a $10 e-gift card with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars forward slash steak.com is the website. A premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada, He's also got a five-star rating. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone. 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website there. And last, but certainly not least, 
getting into the holiday spirit, the gold standard of tactical flair. We got to switch out our our uh, duck right here with the Santa one coming up now, Noah. Oh, dang. Still don't know what that means? Go to dumpbox.us. It's the home of the Zero Fucks Duck. You need one for your stocking. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at steakforbreakfastpodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Getter, Twitter, and True Social. Welcome. Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 190. Finally. Got it. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. It's going to be us today, guys. Everybody's got uh, either holiday travel, holiday sickness, or holiday hangover, but we hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us. We hope we're making your trip a little bit more based. Uh, before we get into how our Thanksgivings were, let's jump right into the news. And you know what? The success of that colony after they had abandoned socialism and tried what was essentially capitalism, the word spread throughout the old world of this massive amount of prosperity that was there for the taking in the new world. And guess what happened? The new world was flooded with new arrivals. The success and the prosperity of the Plymouth settlement attracted more Europeans and began what came to be known as the Great Puritan Migration. And all it took was prosperity. And the word spreading across the Atlantic Ocean of how there, mo there was prosperity and, and it was there for the taking. All you had to do was get there and give it a shot. The lesson is the true story of Thanksgiving is that William Bradford and his pilgrim community were thanking God for the blessings on their community after the first miserable winter of a documented failure brought on by their attempt at fairness and equality, which was socialism. It didn't work. Only when they abandoned it did it work? And I need to say again, because I don't, I don't want people to be misunderstood, get noses out of joint. The Native Americans, the indigenous peoples, the Indians, whatever you want to call them, they were of considerable assistance and they were friendly when the pilgrims arrived. But they had little, if anything, to do with the prosperity that occurred because that was the result of Bradford and the Pilgrim leadership deciding to change their structure according to the Mayflower Compact. Now, the Indians assisted, naturally, I can't deny it. I mean, they taught them how to fish and this kind of thing that they didn't know how to do, and that led them to be productive, undeniably so. But it was the Pilgrim community itself which experienced this massive prosperity, the word of which spread all the way back to the old world Europe across the Atlantic Ocean. Now, I mentioned earlier that uh, the Federalist has a story on all this. 
And in it, they describe much of what we did in the second book that dealt with this, the children's book, uh, Rush Revere and the Brave Pilgrims. And that book goes into great detail about how the Indians did provide assistance and what kind of assistance it was, how valuable it was, and how crucial it was. And in Rush Revere and the Brave Pilgrims, we focus on a Native American by the name of Squanto. Now, as I told you, during that first winter, 1620, only 44 of the original 102 pilgrims survived. They had an elected governor by the name of John Carver. And it was an Indian by the name of Squanto who came to their rescue. And this is, as I say, explored in great detail in Rush Revere and the Brave Pilgrims. Now, Squanto uh, was no ordinary native. Early settlers in 1610 captured him and sold him into slavery. A group of Catholic friars ended up freeing him, brought him to England where he learned to speak English. In 1618, serving as an interpreter on an English ship, he was brought back to the New World. It was Squanto who is a famous Native American in his own right in the Pilgrim story. It was Squanto who taught the Pilgrims how to plant, how to fish, how to skin beavers. It was Squanto who brokered a peace treaty between the Pilgrims and other Indian tribes. There was more than one tribe of Indians. It was not copacetic. It was not friendly and at one with nature. It was not anything like the multiculturalists would have you believe. There were squabbles, there were power struggles, turf battles, it was human. The Indians, the pilgrims, everybody was scrambling for power, for survival. Survivability was the name of the game and it was not guaranteed. Now, many of the pilgrims literally believed that God had sent Squanto to save them. And they believe, pilgrims believe that without Squanto, they never would have survived or thrived. And they, they experienced a tremendous harvest in 1621. And that's the big gathering that is taught in the history books. The native Indians and the pilgrims joined together for a huge feast, which is the foundational story of the Thanksgiving story that's taught in public schools. But again, that is not the real story of Thanksgiving. That's the textbook brain. It did happen, but it's so much more than that. And I, I love taking the opportunity every year to explain the truth, especially now given how this election has apparently allegedly fallen out. Because even as the Federalist side, this is so great that the story is spreading. One of the most important legacies 
of the early settlers is that they experimented with socialism in the 1620s and it did not work. Private property rights, personal responsibility, saved the Plymouth colony from extinction and laid the economic foundation for the free and prosperous nation that we all enjoy today. And that is exactly right. And that is the true story of Thanksgiving. And that has been what we have shared with you every Thanksgiving for the past 31 years. Well, yeah. happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hope everybody had a great day yesterday. Welcome to the show. Those could tuning in for the first time. Again, welcome. Uh, making sure that uh, you're subscribed to Steak for Breakfast. Find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We like Apple iPods and Spotify the best, but you can even stream us for free at steakforbreakfastpodcast.com. So make sure you're tuning in there and then uh, sharing our content. We put out a lot of it across all social medias. If you have True Social, if you're following us on Twitter or Instagram, just about everywhere but Facebook because I like my uh, high school prom and wedding and kid pics. So. <laughs> Don't want to lose those. I deleted my old Facebook and just have like a random one now because I had too many wet blankets on there. Probably for the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was Rush Limbaugh in his final rendition of telling the actual story of Thanksgiving mm-hmm. um, with his narrative back in 2020. Something that uh, I remember growing up listening to all the time. Uh, countless times in the car with either my dad or my dad and my grandpa running around conducting Thanksgiving-related activities as a young man, all the way back from the first time I ever saw my grandpa take us to the turkey farm and cut the head off the turkey and watch the turkey try to run around afterwards. They do that too? Yeah. It's not just chickens. No, not just chickens. Weird. And turkeys are a lot bigger, so when they run into stuff, it's funny when they run into the other turkeys and all the other turkeys, because the pecking order, Yeah. so you, you now you're, you're breast-bumping another turkey without the peck. So it just kind of throws them all off. They're just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Um, You know, all the way up to now. uh, I hope everybody had a restful and enjoyable Thanksgiving break. We are extremely thankful for not only, you know, all of our followers and our listenerships and all the great things that we're able to bring you, but the way that our relationships with you and all of our new friends over the years have just developed. Um, Obviously, for our friends and family, everyone from the podcast team here at Steak for Breakfast, between Noah and Antoinette and their families, all the way up through my actual family, uh, my wife and two children, obviously my uh, two retarded dogs as well, Mm -hmm. and uh, everybody in between. So a lot to be thankful for, even though the news will sometimes make you think there isn't. Um, it's those moments you find in between moments that are the ones that you really have to just sometimes get on your knees and give thanks to. Well, just all the people that, you know, who would have thought we would have been like friends with a lot of these people that just from doing this, doing this show. Sure. No, you make people who probably wouldn't, you know, pass us on the street and never talk to us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, actually I take that back. They'd probably still pass us on the street and not talk to us because they would know who we are. Not going to disagree with you. So, you know, that that's the, probably the actual version. Um, I'm kind of an older fellow, so growing up, going to school in the uh, 80s, you know, getting my uh, coloring dittos, the story of the pilgrims and stuff like that, that pretty much lines up with the way that I was taught. It's not anymore. Uh, you did see the big push for, like... Uh, not allowed to do the cultural appropriation and make headdress anymore. Yeah, Indigenous Resistance Day, which was talked about on some <sighs> outlets and platforms yesterday. Um, and the way it spun... Now that we don't have people, real leaders in, in the field. These people are welcome to give the land back if they want. Right. Just leave. Like Rush Limbaugh anymore. And uh, someone who's definitely <laughs> taking that other narrative 
outside of what the actuality of history is, is everyone's favorite resident racist, Joy Reid. Uh, she had a nice little monologue the other day demonizing the entirety of Thanksgiving and, of course, white people. White people. And I uh, just wanted to give you the other side of the coin, so let's hear it. Thanksgiving. The day we gather with friends and family to enjoy turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, and pumpkin pie. We throw on the game, catch up on our lives, and then discuss, or quite possibly argue, about religion and politics. Mm, For millions of Americans, it's a day of cherished traditions. And as Americans, we certainly value those traditions. But it's also important to unpack the myth of Thanksgiving. It is a holiday riddled with historical inaccuracies. Mm. Built on this myth that the indigenous welcomed their colonizers with open arms and ears of corn a simplistic fairy tale interpretation of a 1621 encounter between indigenous tribes and English settlers that erases the genocide that followed. It's the truth Republicans want banned from our textbooks because here's the secret they want so desperately to keep. We are a country founded on violence. Our birth was violent. In 1619, a ship with more than 20 enslaved Africans landed in Virginia, ushering in two centuries of American slavery that left millions in chains or dead. And when those humans in bondage were finally free, a terrorist organization that was a card-carrying member of polite society, the Ku Klux Klan, picked up where the Civil War ended, using violence to maintain white supremacy. The Klan and its ilk are still active, and as Americans, we continue to choose violence. We are a country that chooses violence over and over again. There is no facet of American society that is untouched by it, as all the recent headlines remind us. Holy shit. (laughs) (sighs) I said it was going to be the other side of the coin. Uh, Yeah, like the coin that somebody left. The one that stuck to the inside of your cup holder with all the slippery juice on it. Yeah. Oh, man. Disgusting. Can you believe that? Hundreds of thousands of people, unfortunately, listen to that on a nightly basis. Um, I mean, the general public, they, they're spoon-fed whatever narrative that their team wants them to eat, and they gobble it up. Well, that's the thing, too. If you go back and listen to the you know opening audio clip that we just heard with Rush Limbaugh telling the story of Thanksgiving, the real story of Thanksgiving, the documented one, mm-hmm. did, did was there any place where he, he said it was like this miracle relationship where the pilgrims came and were welcomed? It wasn't. He no. said it was bloody and sometimes horrible turf wars and just philosophical disagreements. Um, But then leaders arose from the ashes of the colonizers coming and trying to implement socialism in the new world, abandoning that for capitalism, combined with the fact that there were some actual leaders who wanted a lot of the fighting and stuff to end within the Native American community who brought to the table, literally and figuratively, a, a brokered relationship that moving forward probably wouldn't be the best, but in the moment offered a time for you to give thanks for what you had in the moment. And, and I think that's the big takeaway from, you know, you shouldn't even have to worry about holidays like Thanksgiving and what the philosophical narrative is behind it. Um, you know, it's a time to give thanks and get together with your loved ones and appreciate the small victories we all have in our lives. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't understand people have to focus on, the negative like yeah but there's been bad things that have happened in our country and we're doing our best to to rebound from those and and do better but it's just like if you just can't get beyond like shit that happened in the past 
you'll never you're move never, forward. You're never going to move forward. Yeah. And you'll, you'll and you don't want to forget the past. And you'll constantly want to relive it, uh, like they do. She continues to mention violence, but when you talk about, you know, the largest uprisings of violence in this country over the last, let's just say, decade. It's all been provided by the extreme left wing and has resulted in hundreds, if not thousands of deaths and literally entire cities and communities burnt to the ground. And more damage financially than has ever been recorded. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's ushered in the current status of our government, which is all one party related and uh, has led the naive to believe that this is the way to go moving forward following the results of the midterm elections for the most part. Um, we will have a little bit more checks and balances than we did for the last two years. But again, going back to our last show and in our last clip, the next two years are for oversights, and committees, and investigations, not for proposing policies that won't make it through the Senate. And if they do eventually get to Joe Biden's desk where they'd be vetoed. Mm -hmm. So we, we really need to uh, dig our heels in, especially with some of the, you know, the developments that have happened over the course of the Thanksgiving weekend. Um, the first retard uh, phoned into the Macy's Day Parade yesterday. I don't know if you caught that clip. Yeah, didn't he? Uh, did he? Was he buffering, or was their connection bad? I, I mean, he let's go Brandon dust on Christmas last year. We're almost at the one year anniversary of that. That was the gift that keeps on giving. He keeps agreeing with us, Clark. Mm. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so if you if you if you want to know what was going on at the leadership at the very top uh, of the evolutionary food chain in the United States right now. Let's hear Joe Biden call into the Macy's Day Parade and how much of a disaster that was. I don't think I can hear you. Can you hear me, Mr. President? Yeah. Hello. Happy Thanksgiving, Mr. President. Are you there? Well, we're here. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> I was so worried this call wasn't going to go through. How are you? Well, is he literally going in the background like, what do, what do I do? Do I need to? You hear his wife just saying, just talk on the phone. They're there. <laughs> yeah. It was him. It was not technical difficulties. It was him. Yeah. It was his technical difficulty. Mm -hmm. Buffering. Buffering. Not understanding. It was probably all the noise. He's like, well, I didn't call a drum circle, did I? <laughs> sad. It is sad. Um, you know, to, to have have to endure this as normalcy in regards to what leadership looks like. It just comes down to the people that think he's doing a good job now are lost forever. Like if you, there's somebody that still has a Biden sticker on the back of their car hey. and you watch them drive into a ditch, just 40, keep driving. It's pointless. Rasmussen's reporting 44% approval today. 44%. 44. That's well, down two points from 46 of last week, but still in the same neighborhood. It's a shitty neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Cool. Is that a neighborhood in, neighborhood in Chicago? Washington, D.C., San Francisco, <laughs> Philadelphia, or New York? Possibly. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so that that's kind of, you know, gone are the days of the surprise 19-hour flight unannounced to Afghanistan, setting up the fake Trump event in Washington, D.C., and then having him go and, and feed the troops over there. And here are the days of motherfucker can't even use a landline to talk to a reporter live on TV uh, to wish everybody happy Thanksgiving. Oh, and don't forget Black Friday shoplifting. Mm. Well, it's, it's the age of that now. You saw a lot of stores just didn't open this year. On, on Why would you? Yeah, on Black Friday. Why would you? Remember, in a promo code, stay at checkouts, Black Friday at MyPillow. So, you know, Mike Lindell's got some big savings. They'll stuff more than your stocking. Yep. Maybe your turkey. Mm. Definitely the leftovers. 
which Noah will be giving a full debrief on. Oh yeah, on I got our, a, on our Tuesday edition of Steak for Breakfast. A large. Uh, I brought you like a grill pan. care package. Yeah, it was, like, it was like a drip pan for my grill. Didn't even dent what we have left over. Yeah. So this is actually the first year that I've gone home from my family's without anything, like not even a piece of pie. Like they bagged up some turkey for the dog, and then we forgot it. So I have nothing. So that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, my mother-in-law was like, uh, hey, don't you have a friend that's not married? What's he doing for Thanksgiving? And I was like, oh, I don't know. It's working. And she just puts the big pan down. She's like, fill it up. (laughs) Nice. So, yeah, we always make sure Noah eats here on steak for breakfast. Um, But, yeah, so, you know, that was kind of the day, the week heading into Thanksgiving that was. I mean, obviously, we have so much in the news cycle going down. We're going to try and touch on a couple things uh, you know, regarding the biggest stories of the week as we're getting ready to head into the weekend here. Um, I know Noah saw the end of it the other day, the goodbye farewell for his favorite. <laughs> and it got ruined. Vaccine salesman, Dr. His, Fauci. His last 15 minutes of fame. Yep. Just shit on by an, an Indian guy from the White House press pool. Yes, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was shit on by that Muppet. That we have as the press secretary now. Yeah, she's a hot mess, too. Um, Tucker Carlson, on Friday, tore into that whole narrative and the entirety of COVID um, in a little bit of a montage. Uh, Noah will probably have a great, uh, let's see, review of it following the clip. (laughs) uh, Sponsored by Pfizer. (laughs) Let's jump into it real quick. It's about the guy in charge of COVID response is lying about COVID? Why? He lied about herd immunity, then he lied about masks, and then he repeatedly lied about vaccines. You can't lie if you're a public health official, but he kept doing it. Mm. Today, Tony Fauci, who's now 81, held his last press conference, and appropriately enough, he decided to tell one final lie about masks. Watch. But what do you say about the word mask now being a pejorative in some communities? No, it shouldn't be. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, I I know sometimes when you walk in and you have a mask and nobody has a mask, you kind of feel guilty. You shouldn't feel guilty. You look terrific. Retarded. That's the question from the press corps? What do you say about the word mask becoming a pejorative? What? (laughs) That's media coverage? That's embarrassing. It's weird, too. People who love masks, really? They don't work very well. Everyone knows that. The science shows that. But or, for some reason, or at all. Tony Fauci is still pretending it makes sense to wear a mask. He also pretended once again that you will die unless you get the Rona vaccine. For real. Watch. The real danger is in the people who have not been vaccinated. So that's mm. where we expect oh. if we're going to see a problem this winter, oh. it's going to be among those people. Oh, oh. oh it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Still? Isn't it? This is insane. This is not science. In fact, all false. the science shows just the opposite. It's more risky for most people to get the vaccine than to get COVID nice at this job, point. Tucker. It's not speculation. The data from a bunch of different countries, UK and Israel included, prove that. But Fauci somehow doesn't know that. Remember, this is the guy who is funding bat coronavirus experiments in Wuhan, which at this point seemed pretty likely to be the cause of the entire pandemic. Ouch. So a reporter for the Daily Caller decided to ask Fauci about that, because how could you not ask? Were you involved? in creating this virus? Or where did it come from? Shouldn't we know millions have died? We wrecked our economy. But you're not allowed to ask that question because then Joe Biden's glass ceiling shattering publicist rushed in and shut the whole thing down. Watch this. Dr. Fauci, only 13% of- Hold on one second. We have a process here. I'm not calling out on people who yell. 
and you're being you're being you're being disrespectful to your colleagues and you're being disrespectful to our guests. I will not call on you if you yell and also you're taking time off the clock because Dr. Fauci has to leave in a couple of minutes. I, I'm done. Question. I'm not going I'm not getting into a back and forth with you. She has a valid question. She's asking about the origin of COVID. I hear the question. And Dr. Fauci is the best person I, to answer I that question. I hear your question, but we're not doing this the way you want it. This is the disrespect of it is. I'm done. Simon, I'm done. I'm Simon, I'm done. I'm done with you right now. I'm Simon. It's unbelievable. And the rest of the supine press corps sit there with their weird little masks on and say nothing. And it's left to some guy from Africa to point out the obvious, which is what is the most legitimate question there is? Where did COVID come from? And what are you doing to find out? Shut up. Okay. This can't go on forever. Tulsi Gabbard knows that. She's a former presidential candidate and, of course, a member of Congress. She joins us for her first interview as a Fox News contributor, which we are grateful that she now is. Congresswoman, thank you so much I for coming that. on. Hmm. So thank you, it does seem like a pretty basic question, maybe the most basic question. Isn't now the time to find out where this came from? Shouldn't we know? Uh, frankly, it's the most important question because the most dangerous thing facing the American people and, frankly, the world is the fact that people like Dr. Fauci and those in power refuse to even acknowledge that there is a very real possibility, even a probability, that the origins of COVID came from the kinds of so-called scientific gain-of-function research, this dangerous research that is funded by American taxpayers at the behest of the likes of Dr. Fauci that was occurring in China and in other countries around the world and even here in the United States. This is what needs to be investigated and this dangerous research, which, which Fauci refuses to acknowledge or speak about every time he's questioned about it, this is what needs to end because it is endangering the people of this country and people around the world. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Noah? I know this is one of your favorite all-time topics. I mean, what what other question is there at this point? Like, the, the entire basis for shutting our economy down, ruining our children's educations, and ruining people's lives with questionable intention and questionable origins. And now the, the origins are suspected to be the same people who are the spokesheads for the response to it, which was financially funded by Big Pharma and all these other nonsense actors. It's 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 idiotic that that they can't everybody in that room should have just been, no, you know what? I yield my time. Answer the fucking question, you little fucking weasel. And I like how uh, you know, Tucker Carlson pointed out when they panned to the guy, the African journalist who was being like, What the fuck? Was it his turn? No. No. Whose turn was it? Who knows? They have cards. Oh, the, the pre-selected questions are allowed to ask? Like, why why even let the people who aren't going to ask questions in the room? Well, I mean, they, they were asking good questions, like, how does Dr. Dr. Fauci feel about masks being a bad word now? Mm. I, when I see somebody wearing a mask now, unless they're elderly, uh, I, I think you're fucking retarded. I make a, a you have to be able to hear it noise, like a, an extremely passive-aggressive, like, <laughs> <laughs> or I'll just be like stupid out loud. I, I do the hail Fauci sometimes, uh, and, and I'll, I'll look. I'll, I'll try to make eye contact with them. Most of them are, are betas and introverts. They won't. Oh, look they at won't you look at. You. They won't look at you in the eye when they're talking to you. You do know that uh, Dr. Fauci had to give disposition this week in a in a case that's being investigated by Senator Elect from Missouri, Eric Schmidt. He's, mm. And uh, you know he had some takeaways uh, and, and gave us some information uh, on Wednesday, like leftover Chinese food. Close. 
Well, oh, hey, there you go. Sorry. So I'm, I'm reading now from, from Eric Schmidt's official Twitter account. Some takeaways from the de- deposition of Dr. Fauci this week. Bullet point one, Dr. Fauci knew the lab leak theory had merit yep. and was probably real, but yep. it'd come back to him and he sought immediately to discredit it. And that's that's proven. Yep. He defended lockdowns yep. against the science. Mm-hmm. And the rest of us don't have the ability, in quotes, to think critically, to determine what's best for ourselves. Therefore, he needed to be the person to tell you. Exactly. Um, there was also one that was like kind of a shot at him. Um, in the Fauci disposition this week, a court reporter sneezed. Dr. Fauci stopped the deposition and immediately wanted her to wear a mask. Wow. And then he went on to say, this is the mentality in November of 2022 and the guy who locked our country down and ruined countless lives and livelihoods. The experts followed suit. Dissent was censored. In America, never again. I saw a video video of, uh, I don't remember where it was from. It was like a doctor. And he's like standing there. It's like, this is the fastest shot doctor ever and it's like there's somebody there and they're sitting there and they, they sneeze and the guy instantly grabs the spray bottle and just goes pow, 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 like two shots like right in their right in their face the spray bottle basically i'd come across with a fucking absolute haymaker oh yeah if anybody ever tried to spray me with anything yeah after i sneezed yep well, it'd be ugly for them um so, yeah, this is where we're hoping until we get into real congressional investigations next year, not the ones that we've played over the course of the last year and a half, the dunk fest where they just call him in and they have receipts, but Dr. Fauci doesn't have to answer questions. The next time he's called before Congress, before he's called before investigative committees uh, in the Republican House of Representatives, he will be sworn in under oath and they will have emails, they will have conversations, they will probably have corroborating witnesses that are going to discredit the narrative that he's put out there since 2019, 2020. And uh, we're we're probably going to get a whole lot more to the bottom of this. What if he just doesn't show up? Hmm. What if he just bails? It's like I'm, I'm moving to a non extradition country. <laughs> I'm going to start my dream of my bat farm. Yeah, there you go. Making bat steaks, <laughs> bat soup for breakfast. There you go. Well, I don't hate it. Yes, I do. Yes. Speaking of things I hate, open borders. Can't stand them. <sighs> Why is it still a thing? I don't know if you Why saw. Why is it still a thing? Like, if you, I hate to just call everybody retards now, but, like, if you think that's a good idea, you are also retarded. Good point. <laughs> Some of our current congressional leadership, who has aspirations of being leadership year in the new year, namely Kevin McCarthy and friends, took a trip down to the southern border last week. Um, they surveyed the damage. They looked at the obvious problems. They talked with people from the Border Patrol and ICE and CBP. But every time you see one of these things, there's always somebody from the agency that comes out and says that, yeah, all these people came in to see what was going on, and they just shuffled all the migrants that were in custody off somewhere else. Like You always hear these stories. Like, when is somebody just going to like have a surprise visit? Let's just get a team of Congress people in a van and just show up. Well, this was kind of a surprise trip, and they did actually see hundreds of migrants getting processed and released by, mm. by Border Patrol down in the uh, parts of Texas that they were visiting. I got a couple clips. First, let's hear Texas Representative Troy Nels. We all love him. Uh, we, we, we do have some great guests on the show who have worked in his congressional office as well, and, and we know he's one of the uh, 
one of the good ones. And uh, we'll hear from uh, Texas Representative uh, August Fluger, too. Let's listen to his first uh, as we get into this. The system was indeed flashing red, and it still is. And yet Secretary Mayorkas is mocking us. Last week, as a member of the Committee on Homeland Security, I personally asked Secretary Mayorkas if the border was secure. And he laughed. He laughed at me, and he laughed at others on the committee, and asserted that the the border was secure, that we had operational control of the border, which is completely false. We have talked to dozens of Border Patrol agents today, just today, and hundreds others over the past two years. Not a single agent today has claimed that the border is secure. In fact, they say it is the most open that it has been in their entire career. Mm. They say that they don't feel appreciated or valued by their own leadership. Fact check. That they come to work and they ask themselves, why am I coming back to work only to be unappreciated, not given the resources, and not allowed to do their jobs? We were mocked by the Secretary of Homeland Security when asking questions about how to secure our homeland. Mr. Secretary, we have one message for you. You need to resign. You need to allow these good men and women of the Border Patrol to do their jobs that they so desperately want to do. You and the President have abandoned Texans, you have abandoned Americans, and you have certainly abandoned the hardworking men and women of the United States, United States Border Patrol. And friends. Mm-hmm. And friends. Mm-hmm. Don't forget our friends. We got a lot of friends. That's probably some of the realest commentary that you'll ever hear um, from, you know, agents that they supposedly talk to. It sounds like a pretty reliable narrative based on some of the border experts we've had on our show over the year. Noah, what do you think? Yeah, I mean... I mean, Jorge Ventura uses the word demoralized, uh, massive, uh, you know, um, people leaving the the agency's rate and things that he's never seen before uh, in regards to policies with catch and release. I mean, it was Alejandro Mayorkas refused to ask last week if people weren't even getting, uh, you know, basically a biographical sheet written up and, and fingerprints and pictures taken. They Were they just literally getting into a van at the border and getting dropped off at the gas station? He refused to answer the question, which is means resoundingly yes. Yeah, and, and you always see these stories of, of uh, just the rampant suicides that are happening in the agencies. I mean, they've, what, in the last, uh, well, so this article's from November 21st, 2022. This is the Daily Caller. Okay. U.S. Customs, Customs and Border Protection. Oh, that's what it is. It's not Customs and Border Patrol. Has seen four personnel die by suicide in the last two weeks. Hmm. National Border Patrol Council Vice President. At large, Sergio Moreno revealed to the Daily Caller. They're experiencing personnel's issues amid record illegal migration at the southern border after the agency recorded over 2.3 million migrant encounters in fiscal year 2022. Under the current administration, this is a quote, we are not allowed to do the full functions of the Border Patrol to the the enforcement aspect. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like these people are so like demoralized is not the word that that you're you're looking for. I I don't know what word is worse than demoralized, but these people are seeing the job that they got hired to do be completely turned into a fucking welcoming a, committee, a strainer. Mm-hmm. You might as well just be out there with like a freaking a, a net, <laughs> just letting people run through, mm-hmm. like. Maybe just ticker tape for, or a, a finish line tape. Yeah, basically. 
I mean, that's basically what it is. It's 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 a giant game of Red Rover, and mm-hmm. if you get to the other side, you're in, because there's n- you, and you can't get mad at any of these people that are, that are doing it. It's an opportunity. Like, come to the greatest country on the on the face of the earth. Well, how many of the migrants have you seen them get interviewed and they'd be like, "Oh, isn't the border closed and secure?" No. No, Not only are they advertising in our country, but all the way up to the border in Mexico, they're saying it's wide open. Get there as fast as you can. Yeah, because you're not going to be turned away. And you can't get mad at the people. I mean, it, if I wasn't from here and I could just, like, show up and get, like, free shit and get paid for and not have to work and probably never have to leave, mm-hmm. I'd probably do it. Mm-hmm. Like, But that's the issue. The issue is that our... Our country is great because of our immigration system, because we have people come in that are valuable assets to the community, but we're not getting the assets now. And I'm not saying that they're all pieces of shit, but we're you, getting the pieces of shit. You're talking also. about in leadership? Well, I meant just people crossing, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah our leadership is pieces of shit too, but yeah. You know, uh, the, the House Republicans have also asked uh, Chief Ortiz, who's the highest ranking Border Patrol manager and he has refused as well mm-hmm. so we'll probably see him up on capitol hill at some point in the very uh near future especially right after the first of the year when congress the 118th the fight in 118th is sworn in on january 3rd um circling back we, we always reference that point because i think it's such an important one when everybody didn't have to work if you're not a first responder if you're not a hospital worker if you don't work in the morgue if you chose to close your business if you couldn't work because your kids were home from school during COVID, right when the start of that happened, the men and women who protect our nation's borders never were given that opportunity, especially the ones on the southern border. It was like nothing changed, regardless on whether or not the entire world literally did. Mm-hmm. In the three years since the start of COVID, more people have committed suicide in that branch of our government than they did in the 10 years prior. 10 years. 10 years. Yeah, it's like what, like a 30% jump or something. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, just imagine working in someplace so bleak and violating every single thing you swore an oath to do every single day for so long that you just go home and you don't think it's worth it anymore. Yeah, and and the immigration system was already broken. Yeah. And the shit that was being allowed was probably bothering people. Like, you know, you show up to do your job and management's just like, nah, we're just not going to do that. Like, yeah, but that's the law. Yeah, but we're just not going to do it. Because yeah. you got to remember, we had two great years of the most securest border ever under Trump. Yeah. Uh, the two years prior to the last two years were everybody in Washington, D.C., from the Paul Ryan, Chris Christie wing of the Republican Party to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer in the House and Senate telling Donald Trump there was absolutely no way he was going to be able to do anything. His Muslim la- ban, his N- MPP, his ending catch and release, you name it, they fought him on it. We, we saw two years of, of secure border prosperity, and now it's back to pre-colony days when there was literally nothing there to stop anybody Mm. because there's literally nothing there to stop anybody. And it's sad. Kevin McCarthy is referred to those who are responsible for this, which is, you know, the highest ranking officials in the Biden administration, cabinet members like Alejandro Mayorkas and friends. Uh, Let's hear him talk about it. In 42 days, a united Republican House takes control. In 42 days, we end one-party Democrat rule in Washington. A new House Republican will work to stop Joe Biden's assault on our laws, our borders, and our border agents. We will use the power of the purse and the power of the subpoena. Now, let me be clear. Those responsible for this disaster 
will be held accountable. I've spoken today again to Congressman Jim Jordan and Jamie Comer, hmm. the future chair of Oversight and Judiciary Committee. And they have my complete support to investigate the collapse of our border and the shutdown of ICE enforcement nationwide. And what he's referring to there is deportations, which were up in the high 60s to low 70 percent during the Trump era, the last two years especially. I think we may have gotten into the 80s to now where deportations are down at around 4 percent. 4 percent. 4 percent. 4 percent. Yes. From 80. Yes. I'm not a mathematician, but that sounds really bad. Hmm. I think anybody can say those numbers are bad. Sound horrible. He would end his presser there uh, pretty much giving Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas an ultimatum. History. Our country may never recover from Secretary Mayorkas' dereliction of duty. This is why today I am calling on the Secretary to resign. He cannot and must not remain in that position. If Secretary Mayorkas does not resign, House Republicans will investigate every order, every action, and every failure will determine whether we can begin impeachment inquiry. If Secretary Mayorkas was in charge of any company, he would have been fired by now Fact check for the failures of what he has caused. The American public deserve more deserve better and expect more within their government. Enough is enough. We will do whatever it takes. This is my commitment to the men and women of the Border Patrol and to the citizens of the United States of America. Now, this this still doesn't do it for me in regards to is Kevin McCarthy a suitable leader to be the Speaker of the House come after the new year? Doesn't change our viewer direction on the show on whether or not we think he's done a good job in the past. Did he do a good job with the midterms? And is this what he's doing right now is just part of his job and absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. Him assuming that he would be in a position of leadership following the swearing in of the 118th Congress after January 3rd is part of the job that he needs to do to at least show face and mention the people who are going to be doing the investigation, James Comer, Jim Jordan, um, you know, moving forward because so much is getting unfixably broken down there than it already is. And we're talking about loss of life on all levels. You've got migrants dying on the trip, kids dying after they're pretty much raped to death in the process of being human trafficked. You have the catch and release, the getaways, the agents and officers who are on the front line, and everybody else that's in between. Meanwhile, all of our friends at the administrative state, all the people who never see the front lines, haven't worked in the field, and decades in some cases, sit in their offices, sit in Washington, D.C., sit up on Capitol Hill, and do absolutely nothing to protect anybody. You want to throw all the other stuff in there, the uh, fentanyl crisis and this, that, and the other thing, the crime and people who aren't coming in that we know about in regards to the getaways. Sure, you could do that, but just at ground zero, worst situation imaginable, just when you look at the numbers. Uh, Everything from people came in, getaways reported 
suicides, line of duty deaths, et cetera. Mm. You got to remember there was the whole exposure to COVID thing and, and all diseases of the third world during the lockdowns that they all had to go through. It's something that, you know, Kevin McCarthy needs to do this, whether or not he'll be at the head of that investigation. It, it definitely looks like in addition to Merrick Garland and Joe Biden, Alejandro Mayorkas has fallen into the crosshairs of, of the House Republicans, and it looks like they're going to be moving exponentially mm. to uh, come to a comparable solution after January 3rd. No, I see you doing a little research there. What do you got? I was just looking up uh, the last, uh, the fall guy for for uh, for Mayorkas. Uh, what was it? The uh, commissioner. Oh, okay. Magnus. Mustache. Oh, that was a customs and border patrol guy. Yeah. Just seems like, I mean, it, most of the articles are claiming that he was at odds with uh, Mayorkas. But they were both playing for the same team, it seems like. Oh, sure. We could, we could all remember uh, Customs and Border Patrol Commissioner Chris Magnus was uh, someone who knelt with Black Lives Matter, who appeared on The View and talked about anti-Trump rhetoric and yep. was instantly hired by the Biden administration to uh, help safeguard our borders, which we all knew wasn't going to happen shortly after Alejandro Mayorkas was Appointed. He was also someone that had no federal experience and, and never worked alongside federal law enforcement agencies because he was a sheriff in a sanctuary city town who refused to work with ICE. Perfect. So that was the person who was, who was you know, part of like the big three or four big guns uh, who were who in charge of securing our border. That's who Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas thought was awesome. You, ha- you have to just think that, I mean, not only was he not qualified for the position based on his political rhetoric of the past mm-hmm. but i mean he was he he was he, he was in law enforcement but no real significant position okay. if he was just a shitbird in some sanctuary city mm-hmm. and, and again this goes back to a lot of the problems we have up on capitol hill and in the beltway our senate confirmed him so it, it's one of those things we have to look back and unpeel all the layers so you understand, like, you can't just blame Joe Biden, who has no idea what's going on. You can't just blame Alejandro Mayorkas, who probably handpicked this guy, uh, you know, much at the request of donors and vendors and think tanks. And, and then, you know, it was our Congress, the, the current one, that, that shot this guy through and eventually confirmed him. So if you would have had some Republican senators put their foot down, a lot of them who like to go up on Capitol Hill and, you know, propagate about this stuff being such a huge issue are, are technically still part of the problem. So, you know, moving forward, we're going to be tracking, uh, you know, what's going on down on the border as we always do. I reached out to Jorge Ventura yesterday. I wished him a happy Thanksgiving and we'll be getting him back in the next couple of weeks as well, because he's been doing a lot of great work down there in the Rio Grande Valley and, and uh, in Arizona and New Mexico. So we want to hear all about that, that things have kind of slowed down for him since all the mass shootings and stuff he was reporting on earlier in the mm-hmm. year. But, you know, at the same time, we're going to uh, keep bringing you the story because, as we know, this is one of the top big three kitchen table items that uh, are directly affecting you, you know, the American family. Switching gears, but kind of staying in the same thread. Uh, we do have lots of stuff that is potentially going to be investigated after the uh, start of the next session of Congress. A lot of that has to do with the uh, Biden crime family and the U.S. Department of Justice's counter to that, which was the appointment of the special counsel. I saw yesterday uh, one of our favorite congressmen, Matt Gates, mm-hmm. jumped on with not really one of our particularly favorite commentators, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, to talk about, um, you know, the serious nature that oversight has to have moving forward. Let's hear 
Congressman Gates from Florida's Fighting First District weigh in on this narrative. My show, I think it was a year ago on my daily uh, radio show, America First, you said, if we win the House, we have to turn every committee into an investigatory committee, get serious, have accountability, have oversight. We called it the Gates model. 36 congressmen refused to vote for Kevin McCarthy as speaker. We now have a very, very thin margin. Is the Gate, does the Gates model have a chance of actually happening? after these midterms? Well, no matter who is speaker, we have got our conference committed to an oversight model. And just this past week, you saw incoming oversight chairman James Comer work right alongside Jim Jordan and our team to showcase that this is not a Hunter Biden investigation. This is a Joe Biden investigation. Joe Biden was a part of the financial benefit. Joe Biden was a part of the foreign influence. Joe Biden was a part of suppressing information that was very legitimate, that was highlighting violations of federal criminal law because he was more interested in protecting his son than protecting the Constitution and the rule of law in our country. And you know what? Uh, we are going to pursue that regardless of who's speaker. Kevin McCarthy's not going to be speaker. I can tell you that because mm. just this past week, we saw four members of Congress come out and say they're part of the 36. Myself, Bob Good of Virginia, Matt Rosendale of Montana, Andy Biggs of Arizona. So if you're keeping track at home, you have to believe Kevin McCarthy's going to get votes in the next several weeks that he hasn't been able to get in the last six years. None of the 36 that voted against McCarthy on a secret ballot have come out to say that they're flipping and voting for him, and four have solidified their positions. Once we get to about half dozen, that reaches a critical mass. It won't be Kevin. And you know what? We're going to have to work with centrists and moderates that maybe aren't our flavor of America first, but any group of five or six is going to have a veto power over the potential speaker, and it's going to be very interesting, and I think we need a new start, a fresh start. We need to turn the page, and we need to elect someone as speaker who has broad credibility across every aspect of our Republican team, and that person is not Kevin McCarthy, and the votes are bearing it out. What do you think? I'm not a huge fan of him. No. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see moving forward. I mean, the, the investigation into Biden has to happen. I yes. Mean, if we're going to have a, 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 what, special count? What the fuck are they doing for Trump now? Special Another counsel? special counsel. Another special counsel, like, for nothing, then the fact that there is something for the other guy means that the same, same rationale needs to be applied for both, if it's going to be fair, which we know it's not. No, it won't. And, uh, I mean, we've already seen the non-fairness of it just by its appointment because it was a direct response almost within 24 hours of when House Republicans said they would have been going to start investigating the Biden crime family. And this, you know, Matt Gates made it clear this is an investigation into Joe Biden. Like, I know the Hunter Biden laptop exists. There's a lot of bad stuff on it. But Hunter Biden is not a current sitting government official in the highest ranking position in our federal government. Joe Biden is. So spider webbing some of maybe that material out into, uh, you know, what Joe Biden has done in the past with his uh, flexing of power as the vice president and then throughout the course of his private life and parlaying that into his presidential campaign, which was then, you know, repressed with the Hunter Biden laptop, maybe an aspect of it. But former incoming congressman guest on the show last Friday, Kevin Kiley, also alluded to the fact that, uh, you know, th this is this is a Joe Biden. This is a Joe Biden issue and not a 
Hunter Biden issue. We need to look into Joe Biden and, and see what the mainstream media and big tech and Joe Biden's handlers himself have done to um, pretty much lie to the American people. Over well, the Joe Biden's very own claims have been dis- completely disproved by the, the contents of the laptop, which has been confirmed to be real. Like literally talking about business dealings with him and via text messages. We are in for quite an uphill battle because uh, I saw an interesting thread not just in regards to the special counsel, but other stuff. This is what we're kind of fighting against right now. I saw this uh, on Twitter, and uh, it's from at Chillum. Got to give her a follow. She's got some some pretty good insight every once in a while. Three new war rooms have been created by Democrats in the past two weeks to combat Republican investigations and oversight, each backed by multi-million dollar dark money budgets and some of the best known operatives and lawyers in the Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. Kyle Herring is the founder and executive director of one of the new war rooms, the Congressional Integrity Project. The Congressional Integrity Project promises to investigate lawmakers who are investigating Joe Biden. What? Herring's group is with the uh, is working with Courage for America, which also just launched. Courage for America is focused on the legislation personalities of the entire House GOP caucus. So they're going to start suing them, saying that they have unconstitutional and racist policies that they're trying to push. Oh. Zach Penicass, who was the Clinton campaign's rapid response director, is now running a war room supported by Courage for America. The Hub Project is a giant Democrat dark money network that will be focusing on polling, paid advertising, and social media campaigns, three things that we lacked immensely in the 2022 midterm election cycle. The third group, you'll like this one, Noah, Facts First, was started by (laughs) none other than David Brock. First is likely to have a $10 million budget over the course of the next two years heading into the primary, or the general election for President of the United States. Co-founders include former Republican Rep Dave Jolly, Never Trumper, Super Rhino, and Democrat strategist Maria Cardona. Facts First appears to be working most closely with Hunter Biden and his legal team, led by entertainment lawyer Kevin Morgan, Kevin Morris, who, who is a big gun. Brock recently traveled to Los Angeles to meet with Hunter Biden and walked out of the meeting to address the press saying, the story here is of an addictive person who has mental health issues. Yes, and also was put into place as a figurehead to protect Joe Biden from being involved in Burisma and all that other bullshit. He was just a freaking puppet. But just uh, the creation of those three. Yeah, and just adding fact to the names, like, we've already, like, that's Jump the Shark. It's over. Like, PolitiFact, all these fucking bullshit fact checkers. AP, Reuters. All that bullshit. Like, just because you have fact in the fucking title doesn't mean anything you say is factual, as we've seen over the last, what, two years of everything was a fact all the shit was uh, suppressed. You weren't allowed to talk about stuff. You were canceled. You were deleted. You were fucking removed from platforms for saying things that now are categorically true. Yeah. Seems like uh, if anyone's been following Elon Musk's account, <laughs> he, he's really been pulling the, the curtain back on a lot of things. We're going to see who Oz is, not Dr. Oz. He's been shitting on people, man. It's been amazing. Yeah. Breaking news, this is coming across the wire right now. It's currently near the 12 o'clock hour on Friday here on the West Coast. Joe Biden just sat down for lunch at a restaurant called, you'd never guess, Brotherhood of Thieves in downtown Nantucket. Hmm. 
where he and his family eclipsed the $12 million mark for their Thanksgiving extravaganza this weekend in total cost to the American people, which is near 200 days of his presidency already. $12 million spent on his... vacations. Oh, I thought you meant just like Thanksgiving. Mm-mm. That'd be pretty good Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of money. $12 million on vacations? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I would assume that all the trips to Camp David and all the other bullshit that most presidents do probably is a lot, but that seems kind of high. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to look at the numbers for everybody else. $12 million so far to eat ice cream, mm-hmm. fall off his fucking bike, fall up the stairs, mm-hmm. and say, let's go, Brandon, I agree. Yeah. Worth it? No. <laughs> Liz Harrington uh, jumped on with Emerald Robinson, one of our favorite former White House press pool reporters, when she was with Newsmax, uh, to talk about some concerns in Republican leadership moving into the new year and, uh, you know, what's going on with people like Ronna McDaniel. Let's hear them in this segment. There is just growing dissatisfaction by the day with RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel, especially given what we continue to see play out in Arizona. People feel like she promised over and over again that she was on the ball about the elections and the the RNC was committing to making sure they were free and fair this time and they had they were prepared. And people don't feel like that happened. Uh, there's calls for new leadership and they are growing by the day. It's not dissipating. So, for example, we spoke to John Zdrozny from the America First Legal Foundation yesterday about what needs to happen. And here is what he had to say. Hmm. Like Washington is the only place where you can fail upward with this degree of, you know, poor performance. Um, but we are three election cycles into failure for Rana, and I'm not really quite sure what's going on. I mean, I think the smartest thing Donald Trump could do right now is say, I'm not endorsing her or endorse someone else, quite frankly. Uh, but it's not just that they haven't succeeded. Uh, it's There's been a lot of deceit of Republican donors. Um, Ronna and Daniel has spent the last three years running off of election integrity, raising money from hardworking men and women and people with a lot of money, saying, I'm going to fix election integrity. And she did exactly squat these last two years. Most presidents don't do anything for the party. It's two terms. See you later. I'm making a lot of money. Donald Trump is not he hasn't had a second term and he has tried to build the party, tried to promote people. He deserves a lot of credit for that. He also deserves someone who's running the RNC who shares his vision. Ronna McDaniel is a saboteur. Yes. She has to go. Yes. There's no question that the party is Trump's party, right? He represents the Republican voters more than anyone else in the party. He could choose anyone he backed would get that spot. So will President Trump back Ronna again or, or will he back somebody else to run alongside him and and try to promote more wins in 2024? Well, Emerald, you're absolutely right. President Trump is clearly the leader of the party and represents the party. And I think these concerns have been going on for quite some time now that the actual party structure doesn't reflect the voters. That's a good point by Liz. And she gave us a very similar answer on our show last week when she joined us. Um, I have noticed and have noted several times on the show and throughout the course of our social medias, a lot of people like to try and correct me, but they're wrong. Uh, Donald Trump has endorsed people for their political races, but never has endorsed people in positions of leadership. He has criticized leadership overall. He has narrowed his sights down on Mitch McConnell as the biggest failure of the midterm election cycle. He legitimately cost us two 
Senate seats three if you want to consider mm. Lisa Murkowski winning uh, Alaska two days ago. Yeah, that sucks. Over Kelly Chewbacca in the in the ranked choice voting. But the fact of the matter is, when it comes to Rana and it comes to Kevin McCarthy, he's kind of been hands-off. I think, and it's like Emerald kind of alluded to, Donald Trump has done more than any other president. A lot of that has to do with him not having a second term yet, but it's just this hands-on nature. Uh, he's grown the party. He's big in the tent. He's poured time, money, effort, FaceTime, endorsements, you name it, into it. And at the end of the day, regardless of what you want to say about his endorsements, people that he's propped up, his win-loss record, any of that stuff, Donald Trump has made the effort. Ronald McDaniel, again, since Stop the Steal, and then the Georgia runoff says run on election integrity, done nothing to change anything. She's collected hundreds millions of dollars over the course of the last two years, did not pour them into Donald Trump endorsed uh, House candidates this year. And if she ever ran a business, much in the same sense of, of Kevin McCarthy mentioning Alejandro Mayorkas, she would have been fired a long time ago. Yep. Now, they do things differently in places like, you know, the RNC with the GOP chair, and they're going to have a vote. Um, and, and then you start to see, like, these bad actors, like, just weird people who have nothing to do with anything. A lot of people are pushing for Lee Zeldin. We know that Donald Trump and Lee Zeldin talked at extent, I would say, 30, 35-minute phone call last week, you know, that's at extent, probably about stuff related to that. You all but saw on Wednesday, you can go check out his Twitter, Lee Zeldin mentioned, he, he pretty much announced that he was going to run without saying he's going to run. He pointed out the the categorical failures within leadership in the Republican Party, and mm -hmm. he knows a lot of people are urging him to do that. And, you know, then you see people like, I saw on War Room and stuff the other day, I hate to circle back to this all the time. Mike Lindell saying like, hey, if nobody wants to do it, I'll I'll run for GOP chair. Couldn't think of any worse idea in the history of anything. Yeah. It's just that person, his narrative in regards to politics is not what we need in the GOP right now. Is he a 100% undying, unwavering Trump loyalist? Yes. Do we love Mike Lindell? Yes. Do we love my pillow? Yes. Is Mike Lindell suitable to be the GOP chair? No. He's not. End of argument. Period. You can call him whatever you want, the armor-piercing shell and, and all that other stuff on War Room. The guy's a great guy, has spent countless millions on trying to fix the things that are wrong with this country, this election system, to defend Donald Trump. If you're going to change leadership in the GOP chair, Lee Zeldin is the man for the job. Period. End of story. You've heard it from people that are closest to Trump. Liz Harrington liked it, wouldn't endorse it. Cash Patel liked it, kind of endorsed it. Devin Nunes who worked with Lee Zeldin, who said he's a close friend of Lee Zeldin, said if anybody else is going to change it the way we need to change it, it would be him. And I believe those people. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, that wasn't the funniest uh, item coming out of the woodwork. And, uh, you know, talking about Mike Lindell possibly throwing his name in the hat there, I, I just think it just wouldn't resonate with the establishment voter. Lee, Lee Zeldin at least has a, a congressional track record and some of the amazing inroads he made in New York over the course of this midterm election cycle, uh, you know, where he had no business even coming close. It was like a five-point race, and he won like three or four House seats for the Republican Party, essentially saved, you know, a part of the majority there that we will have after January 3rd. A lot of people saw this stuff come out over the last couple of days, kind of put a dark cloud slash ruination on, on the back end of my Thanksgiving, right when I was writing up the show script last night and uh, having my piece of New York cheesecake. Oh, nice. I didn't get any cheesecake. So, so there was a dinner at Mar-a-Lago. 
uh, involving Kanye West. I know a lot of people, it's, it's kind of a developing story, so we're just going to kind of, it's not even unpacked. We're just going to put the suitcase on the bed in the hotel and open it up, and you can kind of see all the stuff that's inside. I can't even really start to unpack it. We're just going to say what we know right now because we, we've got takes from, from, from multiple different sides. Um, you know, and, and, and I saw that Kanye West went down to Mar-a-Lago to have dinner with Donald Trump. Kanye West reported things happened at this dinner. Um, and, and then like the group that he's traveling with the Milo and Nick Fuentes. So you all know how we feel about Nick Fuentes on steak for breakfast. Absolute garbage. Um, racist. Anti-Semite, trash narrative, and now pretty much confirmed Trump grifter. Uh, you know, so Kanye West apparently brought these guys with him. And, you know, one of the other uh, former Trump campaign people from Florida, who's kind of a big gun in, you know, marketing and comms and stuff like that to tell. And, and it was like almost jokingly at first, like Kanye went to dinner. They joked. Kanye asked Donald Trump if he wanted to be his vice president because he was going to announce he's running for president again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and it was kind of like just weirdly coming in. A lot of it had to do with Thanksgiving and the amount of people reporting. You know, then you see somebody from Tim Pool's outfit, the Tim Cast people, uh, put out, you know, op-ed report basically on what they've heard and what they could confirm. And uh, again, still didn't sit right with me, kind of thought it was weird. And then last night you see Kanye West kind of pumping out some crap on his Twitter feed, uh, what he would call the Mar-a-Lago debrief. So let's listen to that before we talk about it. Noah's just learning this for the first time, and I could see just by the... uh, just like, what? Why would you bring that guy along? The situation involving his eyebrows right now. He's unpleased. Yeah. Uh, Let's hear Kanye West in his uh, Mar-a-Lago debrief video. I think the thing that Trump was most perturbed about, me asking him to be my vice president, I think that was like lower (laughs) on the list of things that caught him off guard. It was the fact that I walked in with intelligence. So Trump is really impressed with Nick Fuentes. And Nick Fuentes, unlike so many of the lawyers and so many people that he was left with on his 2020 campaign, he's actually a loyalist. When he didn't know what the lawyers is, you'll still have your lawyer list. And when all the lawyers said, forget it, Trump's done, there are loyalists running up in the White House, right? And my question would be, why, when you had the chance, did you not free the January Sixers? And I came to him as someone who loves Trump, and I said, go and get Corey back. Go and get these people that the media tried to cancel and told you to step away from. He basically gives me this would-be mob-esque kind of story talking to some kid from the south side of Chicago trying to sound mobby or whatever. He goes into the story about all that he went through to get Alice Johnson out of jail and how he didn't do it for Kim, but he did it for me. But then he goes on to say that Kim is a You could tell her I said that. And I was thinking like, that's the mother of my children. Since we know, and all the Christians in America that love Trump know that Trump is a conservative, we're going to demand that you hold all policies directly to the Bible. When Trump started basically screaming at me at the table telling me I was going to lose, I mean, has that ever worked for anyone in history? Tell me <laughs> You're going to lose. Tell him he's going to lose. lose. Tell I'm like, well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on Trump. You're talking to Ye. 
I just don't get it. We we can't go a week without a fucking absolute I don't get show. it. Why? Why would you even entertain that? So, you know, Donald Trump, of course, and, and I, I was like, something wasn't sitting right with me. Donald Trump is usually very in the holiday spirit. So I don't know. I, obviously, this happened before Thanksgiving. It probably happened on like Tuesday or Wednesday night, right? And then I go through the whole day yesterday, even on Truth Social, assuming that we're going to see some kind of like wholesome thanksgiving post from president trump we don't see it and then this story starts to break and i'm like you want to know what with the way the press is trying to put it now obviously donald trump entertains kanye west white nationalist nick fuentes Mm. and his anti-semitic rhetoric at a private dinner at mar-a-lago then i kind of see like you know what trump has always had kanye west like drop in and like you know hang out and stuff like that that's just kind of like a traditional Trump thing that he's been doing, but it seems like this one was like a setup. Yep. So here's Donald Trump who just posted in the last hour. Again, it's, it's the noon hour on Friday out here on the West coast. So 3 PM hour back East where Donald Trump is at Mar-a-Lago. And I'm going to read you the truth. This past week, Kanye West called me to have dinner at Mar-a-Lago. Shortly thereafter, he unexpectedly showed up with three of his friends I know nothing about. We had dinner on Tuesday evening this week with many members present and more on the back patio. The dinner was quick and relatively uneventful. They then left for the airport. To me, it looks like a publicity stunt. Yeah, and that seems like exactly what it is. Like, I mean, for some reason, is is Kanye West now just trying to like do legitimate run for president and just try to sneak attack on Trump to make him look bad. I, I just think he wants the publicity. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and to me, it's just stupid and annoying. And I just don't like the fact that, you know, and it wasn't like, it doesn't sound like it was a private dinner where they like, you know, candle at dinner with just the three of them or however many of them, four of them. Yeah. And, and you're looking at it from, you know, Verified members of the press, Trump talks with white nationalist Nick Fuentes. It's not even the Kanye West dinner anymore. Now no. it's just that. And uh, and that guy seems like a total kook, too. I'm like, I, was, I mean, I don't really know a whole lot about him, but I'm, I mean, as uh, fair and balanced as Wikipedia can be, the guy sounds like a kook. And, and, I mean, you guys can do your own research, right? So I saw one from, from Jonathan Swan, who's an absolute fucking jerk-off who works for, for Axios. And he put out one that said, statement from former President Donald Trump in response to our story about his dinner with Yee and Nick Fuentes. Kanye West very much wanted to visit Mar-a-Lago. Our dinner meeting was intended for just be Kanye and me only, but arrived with a guest who I knew nothing about and never met. And uh, Wait, he's know, saying he'd never met before. He never met at the dinner. Prior, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then somebody jumped in there real quick and said, is there no secret security checking backgrounds at this supper club that he currently eats at? And, uh, you know, somebody said, well, that would be the United States Secret Service. Maybe we should just ask them. And then another person commented, does he routinely eat dinner at his private club with people that he never met or knew nothing about? To which... I mean, uh, maybe when they're with the entourage of Kanye West, who he trusts. A person who we know very closely commented, in fairness, and unfortunately, yes, he does. So I went and asked said person, again, you got to do your own research because you can connect these dots. Okay, and it's starting to become abundantly clear about what this is about. 
I proposed how absolutely fucking ridiculous this whole narrative is. And, uh, you know, the person who I asked told me this is what happens when you don't have a staff or, or a current chief of staff. And uh, he also went on to allude that his statement regarding the situation, instead of shutting it down, sucked also. Um, and then I said, well, at least you can't blame McLeadership on this one. Mm-hmm. To which he said, well, dot. Which kind of made my stomach hurt a little bit. To which he alluded to, it's not entirely true. Mm. And I said, and I'm going to put this out there for our listenership because that was our last audio clip of the week. And as we're getting ready to head into the weekend following Thanksgiving, I'm going to ask you the same way he presented it to me. It's a pretty easy connection. Riddle me this. Who is close to Kevin McCarthy and Nick Fuentes, who also employs Milo? We're going to let you guys take that one and run with it, but it seems pretty quick to derive that uh, people who have softened up to Kevin McCarthy and might be looking to be on committees that she, her was removed from Mm. under the current administration might be playing games behind the scenes, but we're going to let this one shake out. We're also going to have said guests on in nine episodes. So you could figure that one out too, for our big 200th special. Um, so yeah, take it with a grain of salt. Not really anything that, uh, Kind of made me feel crappy in the moment. Kind of made me feel crappier and, and eludes me to believe by not having a real staff, just that protective, forceful inner circle and not a real chief of staff yet. Mark Meadows, who has become quite the stress eater and has gained about 100 pounds since he stopped being Donald Trump's chief of staff. <laughs> I saw him testifying up on Capitol Hill two weeks ago. Good grief. He was like the Michelin man. Um, we miss you. Uh, for, for all the bad decisions you made, at least you were a stopgap before. I'm pretty sure you would have put your foot down and not let that hole... Uh, shit show happen and, and pop up the circus tent at Mar-a-Lago on Tuesday. But, you know, we'll continue to track it and see just uh, what happens over the course of the weekend and what we'll be heading heading back into uh, next week. More than solid way to end the week. What do you think, Noah? It was a good week. It certainly was. Friends, family, food, and dinners at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, to say the least. Um, if you enjoyed this episode and like to hear the other 189 episodes of Steak for Breakfast, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podatic, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, Patriot Podcast Network on Roku, or even on Frank's Beach. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds! Go to me and Noah. Nah. <laughs> We're the only ones who uh, decided to show up for work today. I'm going to throw out a big thank you for clarification to Mr. Raheem Kassam, best Substack writer out there and editor-in-chief of the National Pulse as well. Friends, don't forget to throw some cash at our partners because when you do that, all you help is make small American businesses great again, namely my pillow. It's Black Friday. Enter promo code steak at checkout. MyPillow.com forward slash steak or MyStore.com forward slash steak. You'll thank me later. If you're more of a uh, conversationalist, you could always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear. The world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones. The best ones I've ever owned. You can only find them at Odyssey. Make the investment. If you're doing anything in the studio, odyssey.com. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. The Patriot Cigar Company. 
Enter promo code STEAK there. You're going to get big, big savings. Up to 15% off your total order. All orders over 100 bucks. Free shipping. $10 e-gift card with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com forward slash Stakey Premium Smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs, firearms, parts, accessories, and ammos. WestCoastSurvivalArms.com is the new, the redesigned, easy-to-use website. He's on Facebook Messenger. Give Mike a call on the phone as well, 619-870-6992. Stay ready, gear holsters. Hmm. What do you want? <laughs> Don- Donald, Donald Trump. If you want a picture of Donald Trump flipping over his Thanksgiving dinner at Mar-a-Lago this yeah. week, yeah, they'll put it on a concealed carry Kydex holster, and they'll get those orders out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. Find him on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit more distracted today than normally on the show. Not due to my ADD. Not due to the fact that I'm usually doing 10 things at once. Noah man rubbed a piece of meat and then wrapped yep. it in bacon yep. and, and then proceeded to re-rub it in man rubs before throwing it on the smoker. It smells delicious. Mm-hmm. Manrubs.com. Find them on Facebook. Find them on Instagram. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to like everything they've got in their store. You're going to like their Instagram a little bit more. MediocreMedic.com is the website there. And last but certainly not least, go get yourselves a zero fuck stuck. You don't know. Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Tuesday, we'll be back with all of our today reschedules. We'll have uh, former acting U.S. Attorney General Matt Whitaker and Theo Wold at the very least in here. We'll be back on the 2nd of December, Paul Manafort, Dr. Lopato, Surgeon General Florida, and Miss Christina Bob will be here. And we've already inked Cash Patel, who's currently at the USA England World Cup game in Qatar. He'll be back on the 6th of December. Let's see what else we got. Friends of the Week, updated list. Got to give credit where credit is due. Obviously, our Truth Social Twitch streamers. I'm going to say Beastie Man 420 and Friends. Siberian Kitten as well. They're they're reworking the list. But uh, Thomas Bama, Jason E. Van Gundy, 13 Gen Patriot, and of course, some call me Tim79. In addition to them, some of the meme team. Maze Moore. Your AOC, Elon Musk, not only was shared by everyone, including Elon Musk, Amanda Milius offered you a job. <laughs> That's Con- pretty good. Congratulations on that absolute fucking heater that you threw on Thanksgiving. William Occam memes, Midnight Mitch, Mostly Peaceful, Grand Old Memes, Right Wing Savages, you had a couple bangers on Thanksgiving as well. What does Based mean? Dumbass Photoshop, let's go, Brenda. Madam America memes, Edward Russell, love his work as well. Let's talk about some of our Twitter friends. Spoopy, we see you creeping. Spoopy. Matthew. I have no idea why you hang upside down. <laughs> and William S., thank you for sharing every single thing we put out on Twitter. We deeply appreciate it. Guys, thanks to remember between now and Tuesday. Number one, do your own research. You want to find out who's behind this publicity stunt down at Mar-a-Lago? It's pretty easy to connect the dots. Do your own research. Number two, start a podcast. No guests, no Zoom, no Skype. Noah? Oh, there you go. <laughs> Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. I don't care who goes to dinner at Mar-a-Lago. It certainly wasn't us. We need to start talking about American greatness more. President Trump urges it all the time. It's time to get back to talking about American greatness. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 190 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back with 191 on Tuesday. Matt Whitaker, Theo Wold, probably other people, because they miss our show and love our content. On behalf of who's here today, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Thanks for listening, and take care.
of reducing your liberty and reminding you that they can fuck with you anytime they want, as long as you put up with it, as long as you put up with it, which means, of course, anytime they want. Because that's what Americans do now. They're always willing to trade away a little of their freedom in exchange for the feeling, the illusion of security. What we have now is a completely neurotic population obsessed with security and safety and crime and drugs and cleanliness and hygiene and germs. There's another thing, germs. Where did this sudden fear of germs come from? in this country. Have you noticed this? The media constantly running stories about all the latest infections, salmonella, E. coli, hantavirus, bird flu, and, and Americans are, they panic easily, so now everybody's running around scrubbing this and spraying that and overcooking their food and repeatedly washing their hands, trying to avoid all contact with germs. It's ridiculous and it goes to ridiculous lengths. <laughs> Besides, what do you think you have an immune system for? It's for killing germs. But it needs practice. It needs germs to practice on. So, so listen. So listen. If you kill all the germs around you and live a completely sterile life, then when germs do come along, you're not going to be prepared. And never mind ordinary germs. What are you going to do when some super virus comes along that turns your vital organs into liquid shit? I'll tell you what you're going to do, you're going to get sick, you're going to die, and you're going to deserve it because you're fucking weak and you got a fucking weak immune system. Now, uh, God damn it.